Welcome to the Grace Point Church Podcast. Here at Grace Point Church, we believe in meeting people where they are and leading them to where God wants them to be. Join us now as we listen to this week's message. Throughout history, water has had a significant impact on the world. It has created mountains, it has caused havoc, and even symbolically, water has had strong symbolism throughout the world's cultures. When I was a uh, younger, there was a television show that I used to watch that uh, talked about uh, life in prehistoric times. Um, it was called The Flintstones. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen this show. It was my father's favorite, and we used to watch it quite a bit, but it was set in the town of Bedrock. Um, it was a page right out of history. And in that town uh, was a family, uh, a modern Stone Age family called the Flintstones. And, and the husband and wife of, of this family was a, a couple named uh, Fred and Wilma. And one of my favorite episodes was when Fred and Wilma went on a road trip with their neighbors, their friends, Barney and Betty. And they went out to see the Grand Canyon. So they pedaled out in their car. And it showed them passing this big, huge sign that said Grand Canyon. And they parked and walked out. And they stood in front of the Grand Canyon. And it was like someone had left their hose on. And the water was only about that wide and just trickling through in front of them. And Fred says... I hear that one day this is really going to be a big deal. Well, a couple of years ago, my family and I had an opportunity to go out and stand in front of the Grand Canyon. And we saw how wide it was and how deep it was. And and it's an interesting thing if you've never been there. When people walk right up to the edge of it, everybody is quiet. They don't make a lot of noise. They just kind of look out and you just kind of have to stand in awe to think, That many, 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 many years ago, that Grand Canyon started out as a little tiny hose that got left on. So water throughout history has just had this very, very powerful effect on our world. And it it has had great symbolism in our world. And I will arguably say that one of the most powerful uses of water that has shaped our history was water as it's been used in baptism. Now, today, what I want to talk about and what our message today is about is about baptism. And baptism is is an interesting thing because most of us who, who have heard about baptism or most of us who have been baptized, what we know about baptism almost always comes from the religious tradition that we were raised in or the religious tradition that we were born in. It's always been from one of those two things. Very few people actually go out and study baptism. And and if you have been baptized or if you you know anything about baptism, it usually comes from where you grew up. That's where you get your tradition or what your belief is about baptism. Now, there are many different traditions, and I'm not going to uh, go into all of them. 
But in the tradition that I grew up in, uh, baptism was very much a part of growing up. You came to a certain age, and at that age, uh, you and your friends who were all at that age kind of get told that you're going into a baptismal class, and you go into that class, and, and you're there for six or eight weeks, and then at the end of the class, you get a certificate, and then you get baptized. For the uh, Catholic Church, the Catholic Church mostly believes that um, baptism is a part of salvation. So if you're going to be saved, how you get saved is you get baptized. And so consequently for Catholics, they get baptized at very, very young age. As, as quickly as you can get that baby out, they want to baptize it. Because what they believe is that they don't want to have any gap. As soon as the baby is born, they want to make sure that the baby is baptized so that they know that the baby is saved. And, and it really has, has, has become this interesting dynamic because you have people who, who don't go to church. They have no connection to any church. But when they have a baby, the first thing that they think about is, I got to have this baby baptized. Because baptize, baptism is a, is a very, very strong cultural thing for many people. And so today, I, I want to be upfront with you because I want you to know from the very beginning that I have one purpose in today's message. And my purpose is this. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a Christian, and you haven't been baptized yet, then I want you to get baptized. Not because it does anything for me, but it's because it is what we were told to do. And baptism is, is, is not something that originated with us, but it originated with something that Jesus told us to do. In the, towards the end of Jesus' ministry, he was talking to his disciples. He was basically getting ready to leave, and he was sending out his, his followers, his best friends, the people who were going to carry on his teachings, and he was giving them the final, this is what I want you to do. This is the thing that when I leave, this is what I want you to do. So he says this. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So this is what Jesus says that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to go out and baptize people. So if you've ever been to a baptism and you hear the person who is doing the baptizing say, I am baptizing you now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, it's not because they made up those fancy words or they were trying to say something really cool. They're saying it that way because that's what we're told to do. It says baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so for Christian churches all over, baptism is a big deal. And here at Grace Point, for us, baptism is a big deal. It's an important thing. And what scripture tells me is that as the pastor of this church, what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to make sure that you guys get baptized. If you are a follower of Jesus, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to get baptized. Now, Today, what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about baptism. I want to talk to you about where it originated and, and why is it that we do it. And, um, and I want to take what Scripture says and kind of mix it in and, and meld it together with what we know from history so that we can get a better picture, maybe a clearer picture of what baptism is about. Now, we first hear about baptism in the New Testament, and the New Testament was written in Greek. All of the New Testament was written in Greek. 
So when the translators of the New Testament translated the Greek into English, what they would do is they would translate each word from the Greek word to the English word. So when they came across the word theos, they translated it into God. When they came across the word logos, they translated it into the word word. So they basically did a one-word translation. But not all of the words made it the cut. There were some words that they didn't do a translation. They did what is called a transliteration. So for the word baptize, instead of translating it into the word, what they did was they translated it into this word. And that is Greek for baptize. It's pronounced baptizo. And so what they did was, instead of translating the word baptizo into what it actually the word means, they took each letter and they found out what the letters were and they came up with a new word. So the beta was a B sound, ba, and then the alpha was an A, and the, the P was a P, and so it came out to baptiz, and then the zeta there is like a TS sound. So when you say it, it's baptizo. And baptizo means... Baptizo was baptized. It wasn't a translation of the word. It was a transliteration. They, they, instead of taking what the word meant, they made a new word. So they did this with a couple of other words. They did it with the word Sabbath. This is the word Sabato, which they translated instead of Saturday. Some places it's translated Saturday, but some places it was translated Sabbath. All right, so this is the Greek word angelos. Now, the Greek word angelos means messenger. But they thought that that word messenger didn't quite capture what an angelos was. And so instead of translating it as messenger, they translated it as angel. So it wasn't a direct word-for-word translation. It was what they call a transliteration. So when we come to the word baptize... When we come to the word baptize or baptizo, the meaning of the word baptizo is to wash, to cleanse, to immerse, or to submerge. That's the original meaning of the word. In fact, there are times when we go through the New Testament, there are times when the word baptizo comes up and they translate it as wash or cleanse or immerse or submerge. But then there are different times when they translate the same word as baptize. If we look at this verse, it says, similarly, they, and this is, they're talking about the religious leaders, and it says, similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they, and that word is baptistonte, right? Baptist, yeah, baptistonte, which is the root word is baptize, until they immerse their hands in water. So in this verse, they translated that word for baptize into immerse. We go on to the next one because that verse continues on and it says this. This is but one of the many traditions they have clung to, such as their ceremonial watching or baptistus, cups, pitchers, and kettles. There's another one. And it says here, the Pharisee was astonished to see that he did not first baptistiane before dinner. So what is he saying there? Is he saying that the Pharisee was astonished that he didn't first baptize his food? 
No, that's not what he was saying. And that's why they translated the word instead of the word baptistein, or instead of translating it into the word baptize, they kept the original meaning and put the word wash. So in some places, the word is translated baptize. In some places, the word is translated wash. And the reason is, is that in some places, like where the word angelos, in some places, it's talking about a messenger. So they would translate it as messenger. But in some places, it was talking about an angel. And so in those places, they translated the word angel. It's the same thing with baptize. So some places it's wash, some places it's baptized. So how was it then that this word baptize, this word that just means to wash, to cleanse, how did it come to have the meaning that it has today? Because today when we hear the word baptize, we think of a religious word. We, we assume or we automatically connect the word baptize with, with something that has to do with religion. But in those days, when this was all written, the word baptize had nothing to do with religion. The word baptize was just what we would, is just the word that we would use for washing or submerging. In fact, in literature outside of the Bible, that was Greek, that was written contemporaneous to this time, they used the word baptisto for a person who was drowning or for a ship that sank in the ocean or for washing food before you're preparing it. So this word originally had a very, very plain connotation, but over the years, it has come to be a word that is associated with a religious practice. So we're going to talk about how that happened. And we're going to start by, um, by thinking about this. In the time of the Old Testament, the time before Jesus was born, there were people who wanted to become Jewish who weren't Jewish, but they wanted to become Jewish. And so what would happen was, as they would travel through the area, they would, some of them would come through Jerusalem, and they would go there, and they'd meet the Jewish people, and they found that the Jewish people were very nice, and they really liked this idea of having just one God. Because most of all of the other uh, cultures, all of the other nations around them, they all had many gods. They were polytheistic. So they find these Jewish people and they have one God. And it appealed to them. It was something that they liked, that they wanted to be a part of. And so they wanted to, they came and they found, they, they, they went to, to Jerusalem and they said, how is it that I can become a Jew? I wasn't born a Jew. How can I become a Jewish person? And so what we find from history, and, and even today, it's a very similar process, that if you were a Gentile, which is the word that we use to describe a person who's not a Jew, if you were a Gentile and you wanted to become a Jew, there was basically this process that you have to go through. The first thing that you had to do was you had to find a rabbi. Now, the rabbi is, in some ways, it's the... Jewish equivalent of a pastor, but basically you had to find a temple or a synagogue where you can talk to the person who was presiding over that synagogue and tell him, listen, I want to become a Jew. The next thing you have to do is you have to study because you have to appear before a Beit Din. Now, a Beit Din is a council uh, of scholars and you have to prove to this council that you understand and accept and acknowledge the Jewish law. 
So you sit down before a council of three people and they ask you questions and you respond back. And if you are able to convince the Beit Din that you acknowledge and that you understand and you're ready to accept the Jewish law, the next thing you would do is you would complete the Brit Milah. Now the Brit Milah, men, is the circumcision. Which is why most of the Jewish converts at the time were women. Because when you said to the man, well, you know, part of the process is uh, they just said, no, thanks. I'm, I'm good with the many gods. But the next step is you complete the Brit Milah. After the Brit Milah, you offer what they call a korban. Now, a korban is simply a sacrifice. Today, because we don't do sacrifices anymore, and in some states it's actually illegal, we give an offering, a sacrificial offering. The final step is that you are to bathe in the mikvah. Now, the mikvah is an interesting thing because the mikvah is a ceremonial cleansing. You go into a bath and you cleanse yourself. Now, no one does it for you. You go in by yourself and you ceremonially, ceremonially cleanse yourself. Essentially, you're cleansing yourself. You're taking off all of your non-Jewishness, all of your Gentileness. You're taking that on. And then as you come out of the water, you are taking on your Jewishness. That's the mikvah. Now, in the places of the world at this time where the Jewish people were predominantly Greek-speaking. Instead of the word mikvah, they used the Greek word baptisto. And so this is what the Jews understood, that the baptisto was a kind of ceremonial cleansing where you are cleansing yourself of the old life You're cleansing yourself of your old sin. You're cleansing yourself of what you used to be. And you're taking on something that you are, that's new. It's something that you weren't before, but now you are there. This was the mikvah. This was the baptisto. This was what it meant to be baptized. So we fast forward and we're in the year 30 A.D., And there's this man, and he's a crazy man. His his eyes are open, and he's running around with with clothes that are made out of animal skins because in 30 AD, people were already wearing cloth. So this guy comes out of the wilderness, and, and he's wearing these animal clothes, and he's going around preaching, and he's preaching only one thing, a very simple message. And his message is repent. 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 Everywhere he goes, that's the only message he preaches. He says, repent. He says, listen, you guys, what all of those things that you're doing that you know you're not supposed to be doing, you need to stop it right now. Because he said that God is about to do something new. He's about to do something that we have never seen before. And it is not good enough for you to be Jewish For you to see it. It's not good enough for you to just follow all of the rules. For you to see it. It's not good enough that you go to temple every week. You go to church every week. That you sit in the room every week. It's not enough. He says you have to make a change. He says repent. Stop it. Stop doing that. Repent. And then he does this interesting thing. He goes down to the Jordan River. 
Now, today the Jordan River is like a big tourist site. But back then, the Jordan River was the center of life. The river was where people went to go to bathe. It was where the people went to go to, to clean, clean their things. It was where the people went to go to play in the water, to swim in the water. It was a, when you went to the Jordan River, there was a lot of people there. It was full. And this guy would go out into the middle of the Jordan River. And he would tell people, listen, are you ready to repent? Are you ready to, to accept that this new thing is coming? That this new thing from God that God is about to do, are you ready to take that on? And the people lined up, they were ready. And so they would go out, they would go right to the edge of the water and this man would call them in and he would take them and he would do something and we don't know exactly what it was. But the people who saw it looked at it and said that what he was doing to the people was some type of ceremonial washing. They didn't know what it was going on, but as they watched it, they saw and they said, this looks like a ceremonial washing. And so when they wrote about what this guy was doing, they used the word baptizo. In other words, when they saw what he was doing, they said, that must be baptizing. And people came. And they came in the middle of all of this commotion, in, in the public where everybody could see what was going on. And so there were people who were at the edge of the river and they were washing their clothes. And there were kids who were playing around in the water. And there was other people over there who were taking water out. And they all watched as these people would go out and make this public exhibit that they called baptizo, baptize. And people came by the droves. They were lining up along the side of the Jordan just to go and get there in front of this man whose name was John. And they said, I want to go out there. I want to see. I accept what you're saying. I accept this idea that there is somebody coming, that God is about to do something new, that there is someone coming who is going to fulfill the prophecies. And they came and they were washed. They were baptistoed in the water. And then one day, as John was in the water and he was doing his baptistoing, he looks up on the bank and he sees Jesus. And he stops and he says, behold, which is old English for, hey, look, because he wants everybody to look over there. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth. This was the guy that we were expecting. This is the guy that I have been telling you about. Because people thought that John was the guy. People thought that John was the Messiah. They thought he was the one that was in the prophecies. In fact, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time, came to him and they said, Listen, are you the guy? Are you trying to say that you're the guy? And John said, No, I am not him, but he is coming. And so this day finally came where he sees Jesus on the bank and he says, Hey, look, there he is. 
The guy that I've been telling you about that is coming, he is here. And Jesus walks towards him. And he looks at him. And then he gets into the water with him. And he says, John, I want you to baptizo me. And John is like, are you kidding me? No way. I can't do that. I'm not even worthy to baptizo, but different word now, wash. I'm not even worthy to wash your sandals. I can't even do that. How am I supposed to baptizo you? How am I worthy enough to baptize you? But you see, Jesus had the bigger picture in mind. And in front of all of those people, in front of all the people who were lined up to get baptized, in front of all the people who were on the riverbank washing their clothes, in front of all the kids who were playing out in the water, in front of all of the fishermen who were on their boats, in front of everybody, Jesus went down and he said to John, baptize me. And John did it. And he baptized him. And then when Jesus went out and when Jesus did his ministry, as he went out and meeting people, healing people, teaching, preaching, wherever he would go, he would have his disciples baptize people. The people who came and listened and said, yes, I get it. I understand now that you are the one we've been waiting for. I understand now that you are the one who came here to save us. I get it now and I accept it. I want to be part of it. That is what I want to do. They came out. And the symbol, the public symbol of what they were doing, of what they were saying inside was that they were baptized and the disciples would baptize wherever he went. And so when John, who started this whole baptizing thing, When they decided to give him a nickname, they didn't call him John the Washer. They didn't call him John the Immerser. They didn't call him John the Submerger. They called him John the Baptist. John O'Baptistain. John the Baptist. Because that's what he was doing. He was baptizing. And over the years... That is where the word has evolved out of simply being this word about washing. But it was a word that took on significance because the word was a public declaration of a private personal decision. That was the whole essence of what baptism was. It was what Jesus start, what John started and what Jesus confirmed and what his disciples modeled for us was that when we make this personal decision that, yes, I want to be a follower of Jesus. Yes, I am ready to place my faith and trust in Jesus. When I have made that decision, my personal decision becomes a public declaration when I'm baptized. That baptism is how I show that I have made that decision in me. And throughout history, that has always happened in public. It has been a part of what Jesus says to do. Because part of making disciples is showing people 
not hiding it, but publicly saying it, that yes, I am following Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm perfect or no one would be baptized. It doesn't mean that I understand everything, that I have it all together, that that I'm ready to go now, that I'm good, that I have all the knowledge I need to know. It doesn't mean that. All it means is that I have made the personal decision to right at this moment make that turn away from where I was going and go into the direction that Jesus wants me to walk in. To make that personal decision. So baptism is a public declaration of a personal decision. Baptism is not a requirement for salvation. In other words, you don't need to be baptized in order to be saved. Get the next slide. Baptism doesn't save you. It is proof that you're saved. There's an account of Jesus when he is on the cross and, 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 If you haven't read the story, you need to read the story. But Jesus is on the cross, and there are three crosses there that day. And one of the people that was on the cross was this guy, and he was just a regular, ordinary thief. And he knew, he had witnessed everything that Jesus had gone through, and he's hanging there on the cross. And he says to Jesus, he says, I believe in you. I want to be saved. And Jesus says to him, I'm telling you today, you'll be with me in paradise. Now, that guy didn't hop off the cross and go get baptized, right? He, he didn't get baptized. So we know that baptism is not what saves you. But baptism is proof. Baptism is the way that you're able to tell people that it is the evidence that you have been saved. And that's where its significance is. Baptism doesn't save you. Baptism is the proof that you're saved. Now, I will tell you for me, I have been baptized three times. Okay, don't be impressed. It's not because you get holier as you get baptized, all right? I got baptized three times. The first time I was baptized, I was baptized in a Catholic church when I was an infant. And it was a very cultural thing from where I was from. And And uh, you just got baptized when you were a baby. In fact, uh, for many uh, people, baptism as a baby is the only way you get godparents. So if you don't have, if you don't get baptized as a baby, then you don't get any godparents. So I got baptized as a baby. I did not make a personal decision then. I got baptized, but it was not a public declaration of any decision that I had made. When I was 14 years old, maybe 15... I was approached by people in my church and I was told that I was at that age because there was a bunch of us, me and my friends, and we were all at the age where we were ready to be baptized. So we were told the schedule for baptismal classes and we went to the classes and uh, went through every week all of the things and filling out the forms and, you know, as you're checking off the things. And at the end, I got this really, really fancy certificate. I don't know where it is. I'm sure my mom has it. I have no idea where it is. I got this certificate and then I got baptized. Had no idea what it meant. In fact, I remember walking back to the church because our church didn't have a baptismal. So walking back to our church from the church where I got baptized at, that me and my friends, we were laughing about it. And, and we were like, um, 
like it was just the weirdest thing. And, and we were um, swearing because we thought, oh, maybe now I can't. Like we were thinking if I were to say this word, now that I'm baptized, like the words wouldn't come out of my mouth. And, and it, it, let me tell you, it came out of my mouth. And for years, it came out of my mouth. So I got baptized and I made a public declaration, but I never made a personal decision. In fact, I tell people that I grew up, when I, when I was growing up, I met a cardboard cutout of Jesus. Because, you know, a cardboard cutout of Jesus, a cardboard cutout is basically someone else's picture of someone. But it's not really the real person. And it wasn't until I was in my 30s where I met the actual Jesus. And where I made the personal decision to say, yes, you know, I am ready now to follow you. I am ready now. And so at that moment, I was ready to make a public declaration of my personal decision. And I said, yes, I'm ready now. So for us here, it's not about the how, it's about the when. It's not about how you were baptized, because listen, the way that, that, that many churches do it today, where they take you and they dunk you in the water, there's a lot of places in the world where you can't do that. There are places in the world where they don't have enough water to immerse you in water. There are places in the world where, because of the conditions or because of the temperature, if they were to immerse you in water, you will probably die because you can get warm enough after you got completely soaking wet. So it's not really about how. The question really is about when. When did you make the decision? And when did you get baptized? I'm not proud that I got baptized three times. So it's not something that I stand up here and I say, hey, isn't this cool? It's not. It's just that the first two times I wasn't making a declaration, a public declaration of a decision that I had made. And it wasn't until I was grown and had kids and and really had an opportunity to meet Jesus. There was I was able to really say, yes, I am making the decision to put my faith and trust in you. And now I'm ready to be baptized. And I was. And I can't tell you that when I got out of the water that, you know, there were angels singing and there's a light shining. Well, there was a light shining on me, but that had nothing to do with angels. But I can tell you this, that from that moment on, from that time period on, my life was different. And people around me expected different of me. People around me had higher standards of what they thought I should be doing because I made the public declaration. And for many people, that public declaration is going to be the one moment when you get to talk to the most people and tell them about your faith and the decision you made. So, if you have not been baptized, if you are concerned not about the how, but about the when, then I want to tell you and I want to invite you to make that decision. If you are a Christian, if you are a Jesus follower, and you're, I, listen, I am not encouraging rebaptism. If you, in, in the past, have made the decision and you got baptized and, and it was in a different place, but you did, you made your decision to get baptized 
and, and that was a public declaration of that decision, then however that was done, it's absolutely fine. It is not about the how. But the important thing is about the when. Did, was your baptism a public declaration of your personal decision? And so if you're a Christian here today and it wasn't, you haven't had that opportunity, then I want to give you that opportunity. And if you are not a Christian, and if you've been here today, or if you are watching us online, or if you're listening to us online, and maybe there is something that has been stirring in you for a while now, there's been something inside you, and you know, you're not quite sure what's going on, that you've kind of been listening, and you've kind of been, been, been hearing something inside, and you want to make that decision, you think you're ready to make that decision, then we want to know that you can let us know that too. So on your connection cards... If you have your connection cards on the back, there's a place there where all you have to do is check a box. It says, I want to be baptized. And we can do that for you. Absolutely no cost. You even get a free t-shirt. So I'm not trying to sell you on it. But here's what I know. That your life will change when you make the decision to become baptized. And if you want to make that decision, it is a big deal for us here at Grace Point, And we want to be there for you. So look on the back of your connection card and you can just mark off. I want to be baptized. No one will ever see it. And, uh, well, <laughs> I will see it. And then everyone's going to see it when you actually get baptized. But uh, let us know that that's something that you want to do. For those of you who have been or for those of you who are here and you have prayer requests... I'm going to have the guys come up here and they are going to close us out with our last song. Don't feel like you have to stand. In fact, if you want to sit and just, you know, let the music soak in you and maybe even say a prayer about, you know, what is it that, that God is looking to do in your life right now? Or if you want to take that time to write out your connection cards or to fill out your connection cards or your prayer requests on the back, you're going to have a whole four minutes to be able to do that. And also for those of you who... Um, want to reserve your space for next week's Thanksgiving, you can also let us know on the card too if you don't want to go online. But for those of you who are considering it, who are thinking maybe this is the time that I want to make that decision and I want to be baptized, then let us know. And that's my prayer. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Grace Point Church is located in South San Francisco, California. For more information, look us up online at www.wearegracepoint.com.